Byron, Mississippi. It's Lakeshore Church. I want you to think in the spiritual with me for the next few minutes as how often are you begging God for something? How often, and maybe even have to say, are we begging yet? They brought to him a deaf man who had difficulty speaking and begged Jesus to lay his hand on him. So he took him away from the crowd in private. After putting his fingers in his man's ears and spitting, he, he touched his tongue. Looking up to heaven, he sighed deeply and said to him, Ephatha, Ephatha, that is, be opened. Immediately his ears were opened, his tongue was loosened, he began to speak clearly. He ordered them to tell no one, but the more he ordered them, the more they proclaimed it. They were extremely astonished and said, he has done everything well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. It's another strange one. It's another strong one. It's unique that this story happens to an individual, but it was because of the community. The CSB, as you heard there, says that um, it was an appeal, and uh, it was translated as begged for Jesus to help someone else. Just right off the bat, have you ever begged God for something? Have you ever just, I mean, flat out? Um, I began to think about 37 years of ministry. I, I thought about all the times that I've seen people at an altar. There are some churches today, and many churches have taken the altar out. I've said it for years about having a, a private time with God. You step out of the public and have a private time, and nobody's going to bother you. But it's something about being you, it's seen with him. It's something about that I need God more than I need any of you in my life. But what have you begged God for? I began to think about the ministry, and I, I think about the times that somebody got a, a bad diagnosis, and they began to beg God for health and for healing. I thought about the times as a pastor that I've been through tragedies with people, and you begin to beg God. And I've always said as a pastor, you can tell whether a pastor is worth his salt or not, is how, how much does he carry burdens for others. I thought about the amount of times that I begged when people have been through things and asked God to minister to them. I think about marriages. A lot of things through 37 years, I think about the times that uh, a marriage blew up and uh, one or both are begging God something was going on. I think about a, this is my parenting kicking in, but I think about a wayward or rebellious child. Uh, it's innumerable the amount of times that people have confided in me as a parent when they have a child that's rebelling, a child that's wayward. Maybe a child that doesn't want anything to do with Christianity, and we know it to be truth, and we know that they need that in their life, and yet they look to have no, they don't desire it. Maybe another thing that we beg God for is knowledge to know what to do, maybe a career path, a career change, maybe getting serious with someone else in a relationship or whether we should further that. And then another one that I think applies a lot of times, a lot of times we are begging God for someone else's decision, someone else's life. And that can be on a lot of different levels of relationships. That applies here in this story, surely. There is something I really believe that there's something to this thing of begging. It reminds me of another passage in Luke chapter 18, verses 35 to 43 about the blind man. It says, as he approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the road begging. Hearing a crowd passing by, he inquired what was happening. Jesus of Nazareth is passing by, they told him. So he called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And those in front told him to keep quiet, <laughs> but he kept crying out all the more, son of David, have mercy 
on me. Watch this. Jesus stopped and commanded that he be brought to him. And when he came closer, he asked him, what do you want me to do for you? And Lord, he said, I want to see. <laughs> Receive your sight. Jesus told him, your faith has saved you. Instantly, he could see and he began to follow him, glorifying him. All the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. There's something about begging. There's something about when you realize that you need God to do something for you. D.L. Moody said it this way. He said, every great movement of God can be traced to a kneeling figure. It's when we realize that we can't stand on our own. We need God's help. And we become a kneeling figure. I heard it said this way years ago that uh, we're never taller than when we're on our knees. <laughs> and, and it's so true, our need for God. Just this past week with a, a, a man that I've loved for many, many years, had a great conversation on the phone with him about fasting. Um, it, 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 he said that God had been dealing with him about fasting and it came out of a, a need in his own life of direction and, and uh, in his own existence, the future of his life, where the career change and those types of things. But people today, you think about fasting, we do, it, we do it when we need peace or we need direction. We want God to open that door. Maybe we want God to give us understanding of where we are. But this, this day and age, I, I want you to hear this. And if it's, I think that the house of God, I think the children of God, I think the child of God needs to beg God. I really do. I, I think it's whether it's in prayer and fasting or whether it's just our own time at the altar, we need to, we need to beg God. And if you know him today, I want you to know there's a circle in your life that don't know him. I wonder how many people could you write down right now that you'd be very concerned for their soul if their life was to end today? And then how close would they be? I wonder how many people we have affiliated and associated with, with Lakeshore Church. Maybe we share a, a, a house with them. Maybe we're kin to them. Maybe we parent them. Maybe they're our parents. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's a neighbor. How far would we have to go? And then I want you to understand they don't understand. Maybe they've not been enlightened, but you have. So God expects us to beg. You're going to see that in just a minute. This day and age, we need to beg God because things matter. I want to show you according to this story to what really matters. All good preachers have three points. I usually have five. That sort of defines me, doesn't it? But I do have three for you today. According to this story, I want to show you three things that leap out at me of what really matters. When I see this story, the first thing that, that, that I think about what matters is others matter. What's noticeably absent from the story is we have no relationship whatsoever. We don't have anything to find of what the deaf man was to the rest of the people. But it says the rest of the people begged Jesus to intervene in his life. We don't know if it was out of sympathy. We don't know if they just interacted with him and they saw this poor, pitiful, blind man that couldn't talk right and they were moved with sympathy. Maybe it was empathy. Maybe some of them had problems in their life, and therefore that was parallel to his. Maybe it was just a caring community. I'll tell you the day and age we're, we're living today. We're, we're all moved. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? We got one of these. Everybody's moved. We all hear a story, and it breaks our heart. We hear this calamity and that calamity, and it moves our heart. But I'll tell you something. We're not really moved to actions much. We just want the information. <laughs> And so we're on to the next one and the next one. I think it's one of the ploys of today. We get so jaded by everything that we hear. And then I want you to hear this today. I think we get jaded in the church because we get used to things and we hear it enough and it doesn't move us the way it should move us. This man mattered to them. So they got to the point that they were begging Jesus to do something for him. Let me ask you a very pointed question. How much do people move you? 
When you see somebody on the side of the road or you see somebody that's in a mess or you see somebody that's less fortunate than us, maybe you see somebody going through, through things, how moved are we? How moved are we today because of people's spiritual condition? They beg Jesus for him because of his need. Don't we all need to hear this? <laughs> don't, we need a, don't we need a refreshing and, and, and a knowledge and an understanding that there are people around us every day that, that God expects us to be the go-between and God expects us to be the intercessor. God expects us to, to intertwine ourselves and interact. We need to hear again and again and again. It never gets old that others matter. This point came to mind today. I, I was putting my bracelet on after getting ready for church. And I thought I hadn't talked about this lately. But we pay it forward because other people matter. We're left here on this earth because other people matter. Those people you work with, they matter. In the kingdom, they matter. Those people that you're kin to, those people that God gave you in your life, they matter. Far too many times, we've gotten used to it. We've gotten used to the way people are. And let me tell you something, if it's not where they're not where they need to be with God, it ought to move us. And there's nothing that should move us more than spiritual conditions. The rest should. Others matter. Secondly, when I see this story, one-on-one matters. There's something unique happens in this story that we don't see many times when Jesus walked on this earth. Most of the time when Jesus met a need, it was for the community to see. Most of the time, whoever was there, they saw the miracle. Many times. But this is one of the unique times where what Jesus did was he took the man from the community and he took him into a private place. And it has some details there about what he, how he touched him. And, and I researched all that. I didn't find anything earth-shattering, to, 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 to effective to share with you. But it's unique that Jesus took him into a private place and had a private time with him. I've often said it about the altar. What is the altar today? I know it's in a public place. But you've already been invited today in our prayer time. And you'll be invited in a few minutes to have a private time with God. Is that nobody will get in your business. Nobody's going to infiltrate that. We're not going to interact with you that way. If you want somebody to pray with you, we will. But I've said it for decades now is that we sit in a public place today, and though we worship God publicly, we're really worshiping God privately. Every one of us worship God for the measure of God we have in our life and the connection point that we have with him. You can't ride my worship, and I can't ride your worship to the Lord. We have a private experience with Almighty God. It is a personal relationship. Lakeshore Church is not going to heaven. Individuals who know Jesus Christ are going to heaven. One-on-one -on -one matters. No one else can have your encounter with the Lord. They can't. I run into people through the days as a pastor that have said these kind of just frightening words to me. It might be in a funeral home setting. It might be just in a church setting. It might just be in conversation. But say, nobody has to tell me whether so-and-so and whoever they're defining, a lot of times it's family, is in heaven because I know he or she was a good person. I've heard that. I know they're in heaven because they're a good person. I'm not a scholar, but I can tell you this for a fact. There's not one verse of scripture that says I'm going to heaven because I'm a good person. I think I'm a pretty good person. I, I think I am. I, I, I do. I know a lot of that is framed in Jesus Christ. But I think today if I was a pagan, I think I'd still be a, a decent person. You know, be scared of my mom and daddy finding me if I didn't. But let me tell you something. Goodness is not going to get us to heaven. Today I'm going to heaven today because I've been blood-bought. Today the blood of Jesus Christ has been applied to my life. I've invited Christ into my life. He saved me and he that has the son has life. We need to understand that. One-on-one -on -one matters. 
that we have a one-on-one encounter with him. I love this. We need to get it. <laughs> Listen, one-on-one. God, I wrote this down for you to see it today, but Jesus doesn't deal in the general. He gets specific. Now, this is going to be uh, convicting. You ready? Lord, would you bless all those hungry people today out there in the world? Hmm. Lord, would you bless all the sick and suffering extensions of Lakeshore Church? Lord, would you bless and would you save all them lost people that are out there? And I think sometimes without even realizing it, don't be mad at me and throw a brick at me this morning. Many times what happens is we pray so generally that nothing happens, folks. I know that's my opinion, but I believe I can show you in the Word of God. You know what I found out with Jesus? He never deals with me about general stuff. You know, Jay, you're just a low-down joker sometimes. No, it gets specific. Jay, you remember when you uttered those words to somebody and you cut them? You remember when you had that attitude? You remember when you had that opinion and it didn't bring glory and honor to me? Jesus doesn't deal in general things. He gets specific. You know what I see in this story? When he got one-on-one with him, he dealt with his hearing. He dealt with his speaking, exactly the need that he had. He didn't deal in general things. He got very specific. You ever been in church and the preacher gets up just like I'm doing, and all of a sudden you thought, now how did he know I was doing that? Well, I didn't know, but God does because God deals in specific things in our life, not general things. Jesus spoke and delivered and answered and healed exactly what the matter was. I want to tell you, folks, we all need private times with Jesus. I think one of the dangers of the church is we do so many general things that we don't give specific times for people to deal with Jesus. And I think there's going to be many a person that's sitting in a, a chair or a pew just like you are today that's going to bust hell wide open. Because they dealt with God in a general fashion and didn't deal with him in a specific fashion. That we think good people. We think, well, I was there. We think general instead of, wait a second, I have accepted him. He is my Savior. He has forgiven me. I am walking the light that, in the light that God gives me. One-on-one matters. I got one more for you, and I really like this. I really got jacked up in the first gathering. The last one's what matters. is opening matters. God doesn't want you and me to have closed doors in our life. He wants them to be open. I began to think about what open means, and just Bible story after Bible story came to mind, and I love this kind of preaching, but I want to share them with you today. Sarah wasn't able to have children. She laughed when she, when she was told by Abraham that she was going to have a child, the promise Isaac. God opened Sarah's womb at a very elderly age, after childbearing age, opened her womb so that she could give birth to Isaac. God opened the Red Sea during the Exodus. Hmm, They walked across on dry ground. God opened the doors of the prison for Paul and Silas. I want you to see the verse in Acts chapter 16, verse 26. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the jail were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's chains came loose. I've come to tell you today that if you're in a bound place, if there's something that owns you, You're incarcerated. Maybe you're incarcerated emotionally. You're incarcerated spiritually. Maybe there's something you can't get over. Maybe there's a jail cell that's been built in your life. There's something that happened. There's some event. There's something somebody did or didn't do. And that thing has just owned you. It's become your DNA of your life. I've come to tell you that God doesn't operate that way. God wants us to be loose from those things. And if we'll worship him, 
That's what the story talks about. When Paul and Silas were worshiping him at midnight, God showed up. I believe this was everything about me. If they'd been licking their wounds and over there, nobody loves me, everybody hates me, guess I'll go eat worms. If they were singing songs like that instead of worship to the Lord, I don't believe the earthquake would have happened. I don't believe the doors would have opened and I don't believe their shackles would have fell off. God showed up because they were willing to realize he was God and he's still on the throne and he said, it's okay. Wow. Give you some more Elijah's prayer for the servant. Oh, I love this. Elisha, I should say, is that it was told that they were going to kill the prophet and the servant had found out about it and he goes to Elisha to tell him. It's found in 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 15 through 17. And when the servant of the man of God, talking about Elisha, got up early and went out, he discovered an army with horses and chariots surrounding the city. So he asked Elisha, oh, my master, what are we to do? Elisha said, don't be afraid for those who are with us outnumber those who are, those who are with us outnumber those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed, Lord, please open his eyes and let him see. So the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he saw the mountain that was covered with horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. I could ask for a show of hands today of you going through something today and you might feel like the enemy's wearing you out you wearing you out and the world's wearing you out and the issues of life are wearing you out. I want you to hear God, the authority of it all, tell you today in the spirit world that there are more for you than there are against you. God didn't bring you this far to let you down or let you go. It's time for us to quit seeing what's around us. I've said it lately this way. Let's quit seeing what's in our hand and let's look over our hand. Let's look beyond what's going on right now and see the celestial of what God's prepared for those who love him. And we need to get this. Elisha prayed, Lord, I already see it. Isn't that great? Isn't it great to know that you can live in a place where God can show you that it's going to be okay even when it doesn't look like it is. But yet also, we need to take some other people on the ride with us. We need to affect other people that way as well. Oh, it's good stuff. We all need to hear this and start with me. He opened a great fish's mouth to get Joan on the right path. I want to incorporate some of this opening, some of these things going on to let you know sometimes God will open things to get our attention. Sometimes God will allow things to happen in our life to get us on the right path. He showed a great fish. He allowed him to swallow Jonah for three days just like Christ was swallowed up in the earth for three days to get his attention to get him on the right path, to quit having the issue with the, the Ninevites and to go and do what God told you, called you to do. And I don't preach on this enough. The population is going up. People are getting older. I don't know if you've noticed, but your staff is getting older. God's still in the calling business. Why is it there less people being called today? I don't think there's less being people being called today. I think there's less people heeding the call of God today. If God's already shown you something that you should go in your life, don't, don't walk in disobedience long enough that there has to be great fish in your life. That God has to send an, a major calamity in your life to get your attention. But walk in obedience to the Lord today. God will send things along to get your attention. That was on my heart studying. There's two or three things through this. You need to hear this. I want everybody in the room to hear this regardless of your age. There's a couple that always comes to mind. Both of them are deceased now. He was a certified electrician and she was a nurse. I met them. They were from L.A., lower Alabama. <laughs> And uh, they, were, they were in retirement. They had it all figured out. They had their summer home. They had it all figured out. They had everything paid for. They were getting ready for retirement. They had it all figured out. I'm talking about they had their plans mapped out, what they were going to do in retirement. And God called both of them to the mission field. Well, Lord, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be retired. 
Let me tell you something, folks. We need a reminder that retirement wasn't in the Constitution. That's something we came up with about 70 or 80 years ago in American history. God didn't call me and you to retire. He called us to expire for him. As long as we have breath, we ought to bring glory and honor to the Lord. Now, I'll tell you something. Listen to me. If you can retire and there's enough for you to be able to eat every, every day and there's enough for you to pay your bills, then get involved in church work. Amen? amen. I said amen. amen. God didn't call us to retire. He called us to expire for him. And as long as we have breath, oh, listen, we need to be used of him. Listen, he opened up the earth and swallowed up Korah. We just read this in our men's thing a few weeks back. thought, man, that worked so well. He opened up the earth and swallowed up Korah and his followers, the ones that stood against Moses and Aaron. It's found in Numbers chapter 16. Look at these verses, verse number 31 to 33. Just as he's finished speaking all these words, the ground beneath them split open. <laughs> the earth opened up its mouth and swallowed them and their households and all Korah's people and all their possessions. Wow. And they went down alive into Sheol with all that belonged to them. The earth closed over them and they uh, vanished from the assembly. Huh. Why do I put that one in there about Jonah and here? Let me tell you something. Sometimes there are doors that we've closed, and sometimes we need to understand that God's going to open them and justice is going to be served. We, did, we live in a day and age that God is able to do it, folks. And we've heard so much, and we've been sold all this stuff so far down. I want to remind you, the same God of Korah is the same God today. The only thing that helps us today is we don't live under that wrath because Jesus Christ came and took it on the cross for you and me. But we need to walk in obedience to the same God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. is the same God we worship today who gave his best for you and me. Well, listen, i got two more for you. One of them has to do with the manger offer. He opened up the windows of heaven and blessed them because they were a blessing to him. In Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, here it is. Bring the full tenth into the storehouse so there may be, full, there may be food in my house. Test me in this way. Test me, he said to the Lord of armies. See if I will not open the floodgates of heaven. And pour out a blessing for you without measure. I want to remind you that God is God and we're just stewards of what God's given us. I thought about it. We'll do the manger offering. I thought about it in the first service at the end. There was a lady that brought two small coins and put them in the offering. And Jesus highlighted her and said, that woman today gave the most. I want to remind you today that your most and my most and God's most are often not the same. Because God knows the intent of the heart. And see, he, he opens up the windows. Someone said, oh, I knew it was going to be about money. Well, if that's all you've heard today, you missed it. But I will tell you this. When we open up our heart and we give and we're a cheerful giver, you hear that verse in a minute. When we do what God wants us to do monetarily, then God in heaven then opens up the windows and he, the floodgates and he blesses us in a unique way because we choose to bless him. How about that? Pretty good preaching. And the major offering works there. Over and above a tithe and realize we are blessed. And it's over and above. And it's not about equal giving. It's about equal sacrifice. It's about what God has done in our life. I got one more for you, and it sums it all up when you're talking about God opening. But one more, and I wrote it down for you to see it, is God opened the door of redemption for humanity through Jesus Christ, his son. You and I have no hope today if it's not in Jesus Christ. But what about good? Good won't get it. It's blood-bought. Say, I'm going to heaven today not because of my goodness and what I do. It's because of what Jesus Christ did. That's how I'm going to get to heaven. And that's how you and, you and, you and I is both. But then what we do here does matter. I want to ask you as we begin to change, but it's going to take a little bit. Is there any, anything you need God to open in your life? Maybe some things that you've shut down, and I hope to enlighten you in just the next three or four minutes. There are many times in our life we shut down, and we think God understands. We think it's okay, and then God begins to reveal it to us that it's not. Studying through this sermon, 
the, the, the word and the visual of a door kept coming to mind. It wasn't a, I didn't have a vision. It was not caught up in the third heaven. But the word door kept coming to mind. I kept thinking about the doors in our life that we have closed and they, they own us. And that God wants to open them in our life. I asked you this question today. What door do you need to be open? What do you need to hear Jesus speak to today and be, say be opened? Just we have a man who was deaf and mute and he had all kind of problems and Jesus spoke that to his life and changed him. What do you need God to speak to you? Hmm. Then I began to think about some things that came to mind and they're just suggestions quickly today. You might have a total different one today, but something that you need to bring to the Lord and let him open that door in your life. Maybe we've shut the door because it's painful. We've shut the door because it's, it's too big. It's too costly. Maybe we've shut the door because of what it's going to cost us. Hmm. And you might answer a whole other reason, but there could be. But what do you need God to open today? I began to think about it. And I have four just quickly to do, but I, I want to name four doors and you can come up with another one or many more. But I thought about the door of lostness. I thought about man's spiritual heart in Revelation 3.20. It says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hears my voice and opens the door, <laughs> I will come in. But if you're on the sound of my voice, you're taking this in through media. The only way that we're going to heaven is to open the door of our heart and allow Jesus to come in and to save us and redeem us. He's the door. Don't ever forget that, church. Don't ever compromise that. Don't ever water it down. Good people don't go. Moral people don't go. Church people don't go. People who know Jesus Christ are going to heaven. And them alone. It's going to be great walking down heaven. You know that? Because everybody there in this present dispensation that got there the same way. Aren't you glad we're not going to walk down through heaven and go, hey, how'd you get here? Well, I wrote a check. Huh? How'd you get here? Well, I did more good than I did bad. Jesus let me in. How'd you get here? I don't know. Somebody just hit me on the back of the head. No, no, no. Uh-uh. You know how we got there? We're all going to get there the same way. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that the ground at the cross is level ground? Mm, doors of lostness. Secondly, maybe you need God to open the door of longing of your life. <laughs> Something that you long for. A day that God's birthed in you. He made a promise to you. You know it deep down and it hasn't occurred. Maybe it's a vision, a passion, a calling that God's having, had for you and it hadn't happened yet. A longing for something to happen. Thirdly, maybe it's the door of lousy. <laughs> what a great word. All of us have heartaches. But I say this without trying to trample on anybody's emotion. Some people allow lousy to own them. My prayer for some of you, people affiliated with our church and with my life, Lately has been God, and I'll give word to it now. What I've been praying is, God, would you help them to open the door of lousy in their life? Would you show them that it didn't come to stay, it came to pass? Would you let them see, God, that there's a celestial after this terrible life that they're experiencing right now? The door of lousy. Hmm. Somebody that's been through a tough time. You need a, you need a new touch. Hmm. 
The song says, my strength from yesterday is gone. But the door of lousy, it's been shut in your face and it owns you. You're incarcerated. You're bound by it. Can you hear Jesus say today, be open. You don't have to live there. If there's something in my life that has bound me and has owned me, that doesn't bring glory and honor to God, that Almighty God wants me to be loosed. 